y'all. My name is Marisha Malcolm, and I am joined by the fabulous Abigail Franks. Groups all over the South are taking part in mutual aid, which is all about helping out and uplifting our communities, building care networks, and addressing systemic problems that our communities are facing day to day, such as food and water access, medical assistance, and disaster recovery. While most folks worry about is mutual aid charity. It's really about investing in relationships. We've brought in folks from Mississippi Rising Coalition to tell us all about building mutual aid networks from the ground up and how it can work as a solution for addressing folks' needs that current systems just aren't meeting. Climate justice, y'all. It's real, it's here, and it's about time we listen to folks like Leah Campbell and Morris Mock. All right, let's get started with the show. This is Climate Justice, Y'all, a podcast dedicated to lifting up and centering the climate and environmental justice movement in the South. Despite the South being the most biodiverse, diverse, and one of the largest economic engines in the world, we are underfunded and often barred from the decision-making table. Because of that, we decided to pull up a chair and amplify the stories of communities in the South that are hit the hardest by the climate crisis. We're using good old-fashioned storytelling to shine a spotlight on these Southern leaders from all walks of life, putting in their blood, sweat, and tears to transform the region. The usage of y'all in the title is on purpose. We are honoring our Southern heritage of creativity, resilience, and ingenuity. Climate justice, y'all. It's real, it's here, and it's about time. Y'all hear what we have to say. All right, so first, we just want to thank y'all for coming on this episode with us. Um, and we'll start off by having y'all introduce yourself and introducing uh, the organization which you that you're representing. And how did you become passionate about what you do? And that's like a loaded question. So if we need to <laughs> go back, we can. Uh, who do you want to start? Um, come on, you could since you're already going. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, Thank you for for having us. This is this is going to be fun. Been looking forward to it. My name is Leah Campbell. I am the founding president of Mississippi Rising Coalition. We are a multiracial, multi generational community of Mississippi residents um, and allied you know, organizations working to advance racial, economic, and climate justice in Mississippi. Um, and we, we do that in many ways. Um, some of the strategies that we use are community organizing, of course, mutual aid, uh, which we're here to talk about tonight, coalition building, direct action, uh, policy advocacy, um, we cover cover a lot of ground with a small organization, but there's a lot of work to be done here in Mississippi, and we just we have a lot of amazing partners doing um, equally amazing work throughout the state. Oh, and the way I got into this work, um, it's kind of been a, a long and winding road, I would say. Um, I was born and raised in the South. I grew up in the Northwest part of Florida and then went to college in Alabama, started my first career in healthcare in Louisiana. Um, I was a physical therapist for 19 years, I no longer practicing. Um, yeah, no longer practicing. Um, and that sort of leads into why I, I do the work 
that I do now, um, spending 19 years working in the capitalist for-profit healthcare system taught me a lot about um, the ways that racial capitalism maintains and upholds, you know, the, the deep inequities that we still have here um, in the United States. Um, and I, I honestly, I, I just got burned out working in the healthcare system. I, when the COVID pandemic began, I was working in the COVID unit in a hospital that, um, that I was working in at the time and went through that initial wave of COVID experiencing the mask shortages for healthcare workers, um, experiencing the ways that frontline workers were sacrificed. Um, you know, we just weren't prepared. Our capitalist healthcare system was just not prepared to protect patients or protect protect us as as frontline healthcare workers. Um, and that just, I got burnt out, and I decided it was time for me to leave. And it just so happened that um, I had founded Mississippi Rising Coalition a few years prior to that to work specifically on a removal of the Confederate emblem from our Mississippi state flag. Um, we, we achieved that, but I kept the organization going and growing um, because there's more work to be done. And um, so I decided I'm just gonna leap off the cliff and join the organizing world full-time and um that was about what's 2023 so that was about 2020 when the when the the first wave of, of covid began yeah so that's that's my story hello everyone that's an awesome story leah <laughs> my name is morris mott and i'm a worker organizer so by saying that i'm, I'm gonna uh warn you in advance that uh as soon as I get off work, I have a lot of workers that will call my phone. So if, if I don't respond, my phone is going off. Um, I'm just giving you giving you heads up. Um, I um, my parents were both organizers, uh, worker organizers. And um, also, I'm the youngest son of a pig farmer. And, you know, being a pig farmer and slapping hogs and knocking on doors and uh, and farming and, and all of these things, uh, you know, it humbled, it humbled us. Uh, when you have to go to school and you have to knock on a, a classmate's door to get slop to slop hogs, but we weren't hungry, right? Um, but, and I, and I learned a lot uh, through my dad, through my family about um, labor organizing and um, the oppressed work state uh, in the state of Mississippi. There's a lot of a worker oppression uh, throughout the state of Mississippi. Um, and and uh, what we're doing with mutual aid, a lot of it is the uh, negative effects of, of workers not being, uh, getting fair wages, not getting, I would say livable wages, uh, where they can't afford uh, the necessary, uh, uh, or they don't live in certain areas 
uh, what, what Rev would, would say uh, in food apartheid areas. So in my journey, uh, we've had to speak to different organizations. Like if we're talking to um, just people, everyday people, uh, we have the conversation about livable wages. But anytime we start talking on college campuses, uh, we want to make sure that the wages in Mississippi and in the South in general are competitive uh, so we can uh, retain a lot of these good uh, good people that, that live in these uh, states. But um, for the most part, uh, I feel like if we can fix that, if we can fix uh, and organize labor unions where the voice of the workers are, uh, are heard, I feel like we that is a, a great kickstart to fixing and solving uh, a lot of the, the problems that are faced in the world today. So that's my story. And I'm also a part of Mississippi Rising Coalition. I'm the vice president. Thank you. No, thank you all. I, hearing y'all stories, um, I met, I'll say I had the pleasure of meeting y'all a couple of years ago in 2021 actually. Um, and I had a huge organizational crush slash um, movement crush on y'all because y'all are doing, y'all are talking about the work, y'all are doing the work and it's it's just phenomenal. And so hearing y'all stories, it, it just really, it adds a lot of depth to that knowledge as well. And I love how both of y'all's stories stem from the fact that both of y'all recognized, whether it be workers' rights, whether it be you know, medical rights and human rights, y'all recognize that the systems that we have in place aren't meeting the needs of a lot of people. And that's where mutual aid comes in. And so could you, could y'all, starting with Morris and then going to Leah, could y'all tell us more about like, what is mutual aid for those who don't know and how does it work as a solution? Cause we brought up, y'all brought up workers' rights and you know, um, we're talking about the health of people and access to food and everything. How does this work as a solution and to that and also things like environmental injustice and climate change? Well, um, first let me say that, you know, mutual aid is not a charity, right? Uh, you know, I know some people feel like it, it is a charity, but um, as Leah put it in her explanation, is uh, you know it's it's a lot of things. It's it, we we find ourselves uh, meeting the needs of the people and whatever those needs are, uh, and uh, we aid them in whatever uh, course of action, whatever uh, whatever it is that they need, uh, the needs that are met. If it's food, if it's water, if it's um, you know housing. We try to meet people where they are. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, building those relationships um, with, with different organizations, those different networks, it, it helped us. Um, and I mean, it's, it's pretty much, what was the other one? I'm sorry. No, you're good. It's how does mutual aid tie into these massive issues like environmental injustice and climate change, because you're talking about food and water. And I know that y'all do a lot of disaster work, for instance. So like, how does mutual aid and climate change kind of tie together is what I'm asking. Okay, okay. Um, well, in, uh, in Mississippi, uh, a lot of times when um, 
you know, my daughter, and I'm, and I can only give you personal stories that I, that we've seen and we've experienced. Uh, having wa- not having water in Jackson, Mississippi, and using snow water to flush the commode. Uh, you know, not having uh, food in certain areas, grocery stores closing down, and uh, serving a need that is that is lacking in certain areas of the state. Um, you know, that's where um, when it comes to like climate change, uh, we understand that uh, even during uh, Hurricane Katrina, uh, when Hurricane Katrina happened, uh, there was a need for electricity. There was a need for uh, generators, solar generators, uh, water, uh, food. Uh, there was, a, you know, even uh, an educational part component where even when um, I remember when a tornado happened on the coast, uh, Leah, we all went shopping and Leah was saying we need to get beef jerkies and just we need to get beef jerkies because and, and we can make stuff with beef jerks because that'll be our protein. It helps to have a that's what like it helps to have a nurse on your team. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's when it comes to I think the main thing is education, uh, educating the uh, the public on what their needs are and meeting them where they are. Uh, and it doesn't matter because it seems to me living in in the Jackson Mississippi area every month there's some sort of disaster. Even last night uh, we had a comrade who lost electricity uh it was about it was lost electricity overnight and it's over 100 degrees so mm-hmm. every, and that, that's life-threatening my god yes, it, and has and has young children young babies so i mean it's it, it appears and we were up at uh you know we can't trust the system we can't trust uh the energy companies because they said that the electrician was going to be on at a certain time and um he reached out to the networks and we were sitting up there with Mississippi Rise and, and, and the coalition. And we were like, what do you need? Uh, what do we need to do? Uh, he had the solar generator. Let's, let's, uh, you know, let's help everyone who is, uh, who's been impacted. So it, it, we don't know when it's going to happen, but we just need to be prepared. And, um, yeah, I mean, and we, we definitely, uh, l- let me let me add this. We definitely want to ha- we want to buy local. Uh, we also feel that uh, if we if we support the people in our community, we buy local produce. That that money and that funding go stays in the state of Mississippi. We need to support those those black farmers uh, that are growing uh, produce, and we uh, sell or grow or feed uh, our communities with that. I think it's important that we support and uh, we spend in our own communities as well. And that all helps with um, with a circular uh, economy and keeping um, keeping our uh, communities healthy. I hope I answered your question. No, you did. Uh, (laughs) You really did. And I think you touched a lot of different points there. Um, I would love to hear more, Leah, if you can. I would love to hear more about like mutual aid when it comes to how, how, do, how do I word this? Hold on. How do I word this? I may be putting the buggy in front of the horse here. Um, I would just love to know more about mutual aid, especially in a Southern context and especially in a way that y'all are doing it. Um, you know what I mean? But also um, because Morris did such a good job of explaining that, but please add whatever you want. Um, 
yeah, could you say a little bit more about what, what you mean about a Southern context? Yeah, like how how is organizing in the South, like organizing mutual aid? Because, you know, these things, they don't just come out of nowhere. Like it comes from right. people working together and crossing bridges, especially, I mean, if people don't yeah. agree with each other in communities. I mean, how does it, how do we, how does it work in this context in the South where like we are dealing with so many different oppressive systems. Yeah. 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 To gain trust in communities and learn how to have community again. Does that make sense? Um, it does. It does. I, I will say that, um, when you are meeting folks, basic survival needs, right? When you're meeting, folks need for food, for water, for housing, for health care, um, transportation. When you're meeting these basic needs, some of these other barriers that, that these art, I won't say artificial barriers, but these needless barriers like race, gender, religion, etc. Um, they just kind of melt away. They don't matter anymore, right? And so when you're you're meeting folks' material survival needs, um, and you're not asking, we're not asking for anything in return, right? We're just here saying, we see you need this. Take it. Let's have a conversation about um why why you why we find ourselves in these situations like um just being there and, and and offering folks what they need is a bridge in and of itself and that's sort of the on-ramp that we take in community a lot um to just to initiate conversations, deeper conversations, right? So for instance, um, we have been doing mutual aid consistently in one historically black neighborhood in Hattiesburg, Mississippi called East Jerusalem. Um, it is a predominantly black, low-income community, a lot of elderly folks that have lived there for decades. Um, a lot of the, it, back during the 50s and 60s, it was a flourishing uh, black neighborhood in Hattiesburg, but it was during segregation, right? Where black folks kind of had their own economy within that segregated system. Um, and then integration happened and there was a lot of, there's been a lot of deliberate disinvestment in the East Jerusalem community that has resulted in businesses leaving, um, neglect of water and sewer infrastructure, um, neglect of the roads, neglect of the sidewalks, a lack of um, access to public transportation. There's no public bus stop in this this neighborhood. The last and only grocery store in that neighborhood closed during the pandemic because it couldn't survive anymore. 
because folks were quarantined and not going out to shop. So on top of all these other issues, it became a, a food desert. Mm-hmm. And so this is where we stepped in. We offered mutual aid in this neighborhood in the form of fresh produce and fresh food that we harvested off of, of a black owned farm in Hattiesburg. Um, and so by us, um, bringing produce and food to this neighborhood during the pandemic, that was a way for us to build community, build relationship, build trust, right? And three years later, we're still there organizing. We've been able to hire two um, organizers now in that neighborhood that are out canvassing, having conversations with folks on front porches about the infrastructure, about the lack of public transportation, about the lack of a grocery store. Um, And there's been a neighborhood association now that's been formed, the East Jerusalem Neighborhood Association, where folks are now starting to organize themselves to um, address these issues, right? And so that's just one example of how mutual aid can be that 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 door that opens to something something larger, you know, and longer term organizing that really addresses these systemic failures that led to the need for us to do mutual aid in the first place. Thank you so much for riding that roller coaster with me, Leah, and understanding that. That was like, what you were looking for. That's just like it was. that came to Yeah, it that was, it was. Crazy. And I'll pass yeah. it to Marosha since she's on the edge of her seat. Oh my gosh, you don't even know, Abby. So, <laughs> so Leah, I kind of want you to expand a little bit more. So I've seen y'all in action. I've seen, we went and we visited Mississippi earlier this summer and their building got completely destroyed due to a storm that came in the night before. And they literally called on their community to come and help them fix mm. their building and all types of things. So to see that in action was just so, so crazy. When I tell you there was people like just coming in, yeah. we were out here sweeping up water. We were doing all types of things just to kind of bring their building back some type of life, some type of, some type of, so that they could use the building throughout the day and throughout that week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how how can we get to that point? Y'all are saying meeting these people where they're at. And yes, that is, that's important. And that, honestly, the only way we can reach out to or get these people to even help us, even our community to help us is to meet these people where, where they're at. How can we get a conversation started? Like just that beginning point, because it's hard. It's hard to even just get the conversation going, especially when you don't look like the people that you're going to go talk to. Yeah. Yeah. You have to show up and you have to keep showing up. Right. It's you, you don't just go and, and, and give, um, you know, a tarp one time or produce one time um, and and then expect to have this foundation of trust and relationship that's been built. No, you, you keep showing up. You keep showing up and you just just build that relationship, get to know, ask questions, get to know them on a personal, individual level, know their name know their family, just get to know them, right? Connect on a human to human level and keep coming back. 
And those conversations are going to happen. That door is going to open where you start to have these deeper conversations about like, shit, that's hard, man. You know, like, why is life so hard? You know, like, and that that's your opening. That's your opening. You can have this conversation. And then you, then from there, you know, you can, you can make those conversations a little more strategic, right? And kind of lead it into organizing conversations and talking about having some community meetings like we should get together you know we should get together and 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 see if other folks are going through the same thing and like let's talk about it um let's let's do a barbecue or something and you know but but you have to lay that foundation you have to care right and you have to keep you have to keep showing up thanks Lee. Morris, you want to add in? I see you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Leah, Leah has me laughing a little bit because when she said it is hard, I remember when, when I first joined Mississippi Rising and we were actually farming uh, and it was like, can you imagine outside farming and, and uh, I don't know the, the uh, land of uh, Dennis Damer, Vernon Damer, um, you know, uh, historic property, uh, the Damer farm. And, uh, we were out there, uh, growing produce, uh, picking it and doing political education and educating the community. And, you know, sometimes you have to, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no reward. There's no, you can't do this and expect someone to say, thank you, to give you a hug, to do this. You're going to do it because this is something that you're passionate about doing. But when she said it was hard, I remember going out there picking okra. Remember that, Leah? Out there, okra, uh, potatoes, and we were knocking on doors, uh, uh, trying our best to connect with these communities. Um, And, you know, I'm talking like we had black, white, whatever. Everyone, you know, gay, straight, everyone was out there and we were knocking on doors trying to uh, connect with this community. And, um, and now we have some awesome relationships uh, in those communities. So it, it Look, definitely takes sacrifice. Morris and, I liter- <laughs> Morris and I literally, we we literally harvested corn on the, fo- on the farm one weekend. And I'm sure it was like a hundred degree heat <laughs> yeah. on the farm. And then went to East Jerusalem with this with all of this corn that we had just harvested from the farm and put yep. it in a wagon and literally canvassed East Jerusalem. Yes. Pulling yes. a wagon full of corn. <laughs> you do, <laughs> you do whatever it And just, just giving out corn to folks, right? Like yes. just saying, you want some, we, we, harvested this, we harvested this today, we're giving <laughs> it away. Um, and we still have relationships with these folks today. Like I can go to knock on Mr. Legron's door any day of the week and sit on his porch and talk to him for 20 minutes. Um, and, you know, then he'll come help us out at the community garden, which is right around the corner that we've established since then uh, with the community. So, yeah. Like that—that's the way it started. <laughs> that is the way it started. That's how it started. That's real love, right there. If you ask me, real love, dedication, passion—that's all of it. All of it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so I guess this moves right on into the next topic. Abby, I'll let you lead this one in. Go ahead, girl. Take it off. You know, I was actually just messaging you in the chat because, I mean, listeners, so here's the deal. We try to have questions that we want to make sure we ask our guests because they're experts, but sometimes the conversation kind of leads to a different direction. And so um, we can talk about food access, but I'm almost wondering if I can ask y'all more about almost like a one-on-one of how to start mutual aid in a community. You know what I mean? Or in the South particularly, because we a little different down here. And y'all know how we get down. (laughs) And you know, and I also I also want to point out that like I know because Morris, you brought up in the very beginning that mutual aid is not charity. And I think Southerners we're just such a proud people that unless you tell people it's free, they're literally yeah. not. You know what? It, like, at least in my experience, like we we told people we were giving away things and like they would not accept it unless we said that we had too many things and we need them to take them. Like, I, I almost wonder that. And um, I also just wanted to flag like Morris with you saying like like you said earlier, the experience of y'all's building being destroyed and then your community coming together to fix it is proof right there. <laughs> like that, it seems like this isn't, it's not charity, but instead it's an investing in relationships. And so how do, how listen, let's pretend listeners are trying to start it in their communities. How do you begin with this? And anybody can jump in. Yeah, so if, if you're listening and you are, you're an individual um, and you just want to start practicing mutual aid in your neighborhood, um, what I would do is just not, or it doesn't really even have to be in your neighborhood, but your community, I will say your community, whatever your community is, whether it's geographically, if it's your community, like right in your neighborhood, or if it's your friendship, your friend community or an, or an organizational community, decide who your community is, right? And then um, have a conversation about, about what is mutual aid and, and why, why it's necessary um, and then get organized. Um, so you can start what's called um, a mutual aid pod. So you might have a pod of, um, you might start with a pod of three people. So say like it's me, Morris and Abigail. We're starting a mutual aid pod. Um, and so me, Abigail, and Morris each reach out to our respective circles and have conversations about mutual aid um, and, and that we want to start a mutual aid network. We kind of start our own little pods, right? And you get to know who's in your pod, um, what their what their needs are, um, and you get organized. I mean, just start having regular um, community meetings. Um, decide who's gonna um, who's gonna check on who, 
who's going to take so-and-so to the doctor next week if they if their need is transportation somebody else's need is um help with food security okay how are we going to get the food what food do we need how much do we need um yeah just just start small and then and then expand from there um if you're an organization that wants to to start mutual aid um I would really just kind of start incorporating mutual aid into what you're already doing um, in, in the, the communities that you're already organizing in and organizing with. Um, network with your, with your partner organizations. See if they're interested in being mutual aid partners. Um, yeah, I, I don't, Morris. You might be able to answer this a little bit more, a little, a little better. Yeah. Well, the only thing that, uh, and this is through experience, uh, the number one rule is you are not the leader. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you're always going to be led by the community. Yeah. All right. So you need to make sure that you have, and, I, and that this goes for for people who are who have uh, organizations or just people who, uh, you have to understand the needs, mm -hmm. uh, the needs of the community that you're serving, uh, because you may think you know, and a lot of times, sometimes it doesn't, like especially when it comes to uh, food uh, apartheid, uh, it's certain communities that just doesn't, you know, that we don't, we don't eat certain foods, right? And you can sit here and uh, grow food that, People in, what was that? A guy told me, he said, man, we don't eat. One guy said, I don't eat okra. And uh, I was like, man, I don't, there's no need in canvassing this neighborhood because a lot of us don't eat okra. So you have to actually understand the, the needs and the wants of the communities that you serve. And uh, I think that's number one, that's the most important. And then finding out uh, the, the strengths and the weaknesses of those community uh, members. So once you learn, once you, you and, and the main thing that the, I think the number one thing is you're being led by the community uh, and you're assisting the community on what they need. Right. Because uh, even in, uh, in in Hattiesburg, I think the number one question that we were asking is, hey, what 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 do you need? Do you want this produce? Uh, and we we found out the Hattiesburg has an amazing history of. Uh, you had a lot of uh, black soldiers who couldn't uh, shop certain places and they couldn't l live in certain places. And they had a lot of houses within uh, that area that served the, the, uh, the black soldiers. So I think that, you know, just finding out uh, a lot of the history of the community and just educating yourself on the community, that's a great start. Yeah, I agree. So this has been a great episode thus far, and I hate to let y'all go, but I. But before I let you go, I do want to ask you one last question. This is a question that we ask all of our guests, and we're gonna ask it to you as well. What brings you hope? Um, what brings you hope to keep going, to keep fighting this good old fight in the climate justice space? And um, is there any final words that you would like to leave with us? Um, what gives me hope is 
just um, connecting with just regular people on a daily basis, just connecting um, and being able to share our common struggles, our common, you know, hopes and dreams together, um, being able to to just share time and humanity with folks that that gives me hope. You know, sometimes we can um, get so caught up in what what we're fighting because we're fi we're fighting Goliaths a lot of the time. Um, so what brings me hope is just connecting, connecting with people, because at the end of the day, that's really what what all this is about is um, is humanity and, and doing what we can do with the time that we have here um, to make make the world a better place. So that's what brings me hope. What about you, Morris? We can't you, you got to close us off, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Hope. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional when you say hope. You know, I, I, Leah, you know, the sacrifices that everyone make that have made in this movement work, uh, you know, you have people who are just doing it because they just love people. And it motivates me to to do more. Like even Mr. Dennis Damer donating his, his land so we can uh, give, and he's he donated his time and his property so we can... Uh, we can farm and, and uh, canvas neighborhoods and we didn't have to pay for that. And, you know, Leah donate her time. Everyone just donate their time and people helping people. Uh, even right now, you all allowing us to um, to tell our stories and tell our, our journey that we've been on. It gives us hope uh, that hopefully that we we can reach someone. Uh, all of this uh, in our life and in my life, um, it, it, it's it's inspiring. I um, I just love how uh, just being around, being with people who are doing things for people and they're not asking for anything in return. And that's an amazing, I am probably the, the happiest I've ever been in my life because I'm around genuine people who, uh, who really love uh, others and they're doing it for the love of people and humanity. So I really appreciate you all for having us on this on this uh, podcast.